We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all you fine folks and my friends over at the B-Dub. And what do we have here, folks? What do we have here? A little win streak for the 49ers? Is this what's going on right now? Uh, I mean, I'm being obtuse here. Um, The 49ers, of course, as you know, you're probably listening to this on on a relatively positive Monday morning. 49ers did beat the crap out of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, leaving Jacksonville with a 30-10 to win. Uh, to pull themselves back to even. The 49ers are now 5-5 five and five on the season, while the Jacksonville Jaguars are a lowly 2-8. and eight. But overall, it was exactly what you wanted to see from the 49ers to validate the idea, or at least partially validate the idea, that they might have gotten their shit together. I think many of us, including myself, went into this season you know, looking at the roster on paper, what they've been able to do in seasons past, saying, hey, this is a pretty damn good team. They should be able to make some waves. And they haven't done that for the most part so far, but it looks like they just might be figuring it out. On the backs of just a few players kind of stepping up, the 49ers have really kind of rounded into shape. You know, we 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 were hesitant, as you could say, to crown them. You want to crown them, then crown their ass. But we let them off the hook. I just had to finish the quote. I know y'all out there were like, well, finish it. <laughs> so it didn't really make sense in that, in that, in that context, but I had to finish it. Um, we couldn't really crown them after they beat the Rams. I mean, and they, they did beat the Rams handedly. They did, you know, 31 to 10. They beat the Rams. 
They beat the seven and three Rams just as bad as they beat the two and eight Jaguars. So nobody really wanted to crown them after that because you just they'd been relatively they've been a relatively bad football team all year. The 49ers have been. And so we were kind of waiting to see what that looked like against the Jaguars. Now, if you were listening to the pod last uh, last episode, I was very clear that I didn't think the Jaguars were any sort of a trap game. The 49ers had to be much better in order to even fall into such a trap. Um, but it was going to be kind of a good litmus test for are the 49ers trending in the right direction? And the only way that they could really show that is when a good football team beats the crap out of a bad football team. And that is what we saw. So, oh, that, that's kind of like my general feeling on the game was all when I went, when I went into this morning's game, all I wanted to see was a good 49ers team beat a bad Jaguars team convincingly. And they did. And the score was not even close, as close as you would think it is. Uh, the Jaguars scored with about three minutes left. Uh, definitely one of those garbage time scores uh, to make the game even look more respectable than it was. For the most part, it was a 30-3 to game, uh, which is what, like I said, it's what we all kind of needed to see in order to give the idea that the 49ers are improving uh, any merit. This is what we needed to see. So, um, to, to sprinkle a little more positivity onto the 49ers win, uh, the Seahawks lost to the, Card- the Colt McCoy-led Cardinals today. Uh, 49ers can relate, but the Seahawks did lose, uh, and they fall to – let me grab my little my little playoff picture here. I believe they fall to 3-7 and seven now, and that was with Russell Wilson. And I have the score lined up here, but it was not particularly close. And from what I could see on Twitter – uh, Russell Wilson did not play a good game. The Seahawks lost 23-13, to 13, and I believe it was in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. But if it wasn't, who cares? It's still the Cardinals without Kyler Murray. The Cardinals moved to 9-2. and two. Seahawks, like I said, are now 3-7. and seven. So um, that's good for the 49ers, especially if you consider the fact that the Cardinals are – they seem kind of entrenched as the division leaders. Uh, the, the, the Rams aren't far behind them. But as far as the 49ers go, there's just a lot of distance between the Cardinals and and where the what the 49ers do need to do. I mean, if you watch like Formula One, sometimes like the guy in first place will get way out ahead and it really becomes a race for second and third. And that's kind of where the 49ers are. There's still some distance between them and the Rams as well, but the Cardinals winning or losing doesn't really affect the 49ers at this point. They need the Seahawks to lose. Uh, so that they can maintain that position in the NFC West uh, as a possible wild card. So the Seahawks did lose, and uh, to sprinkle a little more positivity onto your 49ers win, the Chiefs beat the Cowboys. Because we all know that it feels good when the Cowboys lose. Because I mean, as as much as as much as as much as there is to make of the 49ers and Seahawks rivalry, we all know the uh, the real dug in deep rivalry is with the Cowboys. So that's also a loss there. Um, Moving into the game. Let's move into the specifics of the game. Uh, For the most part, I'll just touch on kind of like the offensive side of things. And then we'll get a quick word in from our friends over at TickPick. And then we will come back and talk defense. Um, From an overarching standpoint, as far as an injury report goes, cornerback Devontae Harris, um, he left the game with an injury. I believe he had a sprain. Uh, still kind of waiting to hear on how serious that is. But other than that, that was the only injury. That was it. The 49ers were able to travel to Jacksonville, get a convincing win, and leave essentially, no disrespect to Devontae Harris, uh, injury-free, especially when you're looking at it from a starter standpoint. So 
that is a a positive note. Now let's just run through. Uh, let's just run through the offense. Okay, Jimmy Garoppolo. If you could summarize, if I could summarize his game, I'd just say it was it was enough. It was solid. Uh, he took care of the football. He completed seventy two percent of his passes, uh, sixteen of twenty two for one hundred and seventy six yards uh, and two touchdowns for a one twenty six point three quarterback rating. So respectable, very good for a team whose offensive identity is clearly running the football and pounding the rock. That's exactly what you need from Jimmy Garoppolo. Very Alex Smith type. Um, You just need him to take care of the football, take what the defense gives him. I mean, maybe push the ball down the field a couple times a half. I'm not even sure if the 49ers did that. But uh, just take care of the football and complete the passes that Kyle Shanahan schemes up for you. And that's what Jimmy Garoppolo did. Uh, he did miss one wide open Jeff Wilson Jr. in the end zone. But I believe the 49ers ended up – no, they didn't. That was on that drive. Okay, so just to kind of blend straight into that, the 49ers started off with – they started the game with one of the most dominant, I guess you could say – um, it didn't necessarily end in dominant fashion, but the 49ers started the game with one of the most dominant possessions the NFL seen since like 1997, I believe. Uh, the 49ers got the ball uh, to start the first half. They ran 20 plays, and that doesn't include the penalties, and George Kittle was not happy about that. He's like, you guys don't include the penalties? Um, and no, the, the, the official NFL statistics does not include the penalties. Because George Kittle was convinced it was like 22 or 23. But without the penalties, it was 20 plays, 77 yards. And unfortunately, it ended up being a field goal. Now, the 49ers did follow their next four drives after that first one was touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. So it's not that they were held out of the end zone. The 49ers actually have the best red zone scoring percentage in the NFL right now. I believe it's getting close to 80%. I don't know if this game uh, impacted that percentage at all, but the 49ers are actually very good in the red zone when they get there. So not too much hate going their way for this. I believe I believe the drive went from obviously the start of the game until there was one minute and 55 seconds left in the first quarter. So that one drive destroyed an entire quarter of the football game. It's pretty unbelievable stuff. You just don't see that very often. You don't see that very often. The 49ers almost doubled the Jaguars' time of possession overall, 38 minutes to 21. That's how you win football games right there, especially in the 49ers style of play. So uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was good. He did a good job. Uh, He was exactly what the 49ers needed. 49ers got lucky with a few penalties. But again, when you look at how the whole game unfolded, it was a pretty dominant showing from the 49ers. And if you look at the way Jimmy Garoppolo complements the run game, which is all he needs to do, then you start to – it really starts to become clear what the 49ers offensive – identity was and now a lot was made of the 49ers running the ball 44 times against the Rams when they beat them last week at Levi's Stadium 
the 49ers ran the ball a total of 44 times. It hasn't really been mentioned much that I've seen, but the 49ers ran the ball 42 times against the Jaguars. The Jaguars were one of the NFL's best defenses against the run. I believe they were only giving up like 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry going into this game, and the 49ers averaged 4.1 yards per carry. So not like dominant, but in terms of a team that wants to run the ball, that's all you need if you think about it. I mean, that's 8.2 yards. If you ran the ball in first and second down, it's third and two. And if you're averaging 4.1 yards per carry, then you're charting. I mean, that's obviously not how the game unfolds, but uh, it was a relatively solid showing for the 49ers run game. That was exactly what they needed it to be. They just needed to for it to be effective enough to keep drives going, and we saw that it was. Their run game was actually better uh, against the Jaguars than it was against the Rams, and the Jaguars are a much better team against the run. So kudos to the 40. I, I really was, as I was watching the game take place, I was really – Uh, Just impressed with their ability to stick with the run. Stick with the run. No one running back. uh, I'll I'll paraphrase that. No one real running back, real actual running back that plays the position was uh, dominant. You know, Jeff Wilson Jr. got 19 carries for 50 yards, and he only averaged 2.6 yards a carry. But those were hard yards if you watch the game. Trey Sermon actually got some action. The 49ers third-round rookie running back that we've been waiting to see. Uh, He got 10 carries for 32 yards. That's only 3.2 yards a carry, but that's what it needed to be. And then you have this guy named Debo Samuel. Uh, Apparently, he's a running back now. He got eight carries for 80 yards, (laughs) essentially 79 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, that's been just an – we already knew that the 49ers love to use Debo Samuel in whatever way they can, and now he's he's morphed into this genuine – running back that legit averaged 10 yards a carry uh, and scored a touchdown. Uh, unfortunately, he only Debo Samuel only had one catch for 15 yards, leaving him, I believe, six yards short of the 1,000-yard mark. Obviously, that's something he's going to get. It's not like, you know, it's not the last game of the season, but uh, that was interesting. It, I, it was something I was paying attention to, waiting to tweet out, and he just never really – he only got targeted twice, so – uh, and he caught one of them. So it's just a weird relationship with Debo Samuel in the offense, but that's not a derogatory term whatsoever. He is like, I think if you could pick one player right now, outside of the quarterback who you obviously need, if you could pick one player right now, that's like the backbone of the 49ers offense, it's Debo Samuel. He just does so much for Kyle Shanahan and that offense and everybody else that, I mean, it's it's been pretty amazing to watch unfold throughout the season. Obviously, this is always what the 49ers hoped Debo Samuel could be when they drafted him. Maybe it's even more than they expected. But uh, he is he has easily established himself as like that cornerstone player that they really can't afford to be without. So, And which is just an interesting relationship when you consider what Debo Samuel's been in the past. You know, it just hasn't been that way. Um and even, you know, when you're talking about the 49ers offensive identity, even George Kittle up, was up there saying, look, we don't want to throw the ball 40 times. And, you know, it would be easy for him to push for that, given how prolific he's been in the receiving game in the past. But we also know what what George Kittle does as a blocker. So, you know, he it's, it's very clear that the 49ers want to run the football and the passing game is secondary. Even George Kittle knows that. And he had some kind words to say about Jimmy Garoppolo just talking about his leadership. And the fact that having him in that huddle gives everybody on the offense a lot of confidence. 
which, you know, kind of just speaks to the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo has been out there, you know, and a lot of people, and, I, and me included, I, 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 I mean, I guess with the way Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing, I'm not necessarily as passionate about the fact that he should be out there right now, especially if you're talking about the 49ers making a legitimate push for playoff contention. But you can, you know, when you hear players talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, you kind of get an idea of why Kyle Shanahan would be so adamant that he's out there when the team looks at him in such a positive way, including the players. So over the last two weeks, um, and I know Jimmy Garoppolo was even decent. Was he decent? Against the uh, Cardinals in the loss, statistically, and like from a pro football focus standpoint, he was decent. But Jimmy Garoppolo over the last two weeks, for those last two wins, he's 31 of 41, that's 75%. 358 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 134 quarterback rating. And that's that's doing all of that while the 49ers ran the ball 86 times over the last two weeks. So like I said on that tweet, they're not like eye-popping numbers, but they're exactly what they have to be for the 49ers to execute an offensive game plan in the way they want to do it. You know, what's funny is if you read those numbers from Jimmy Garoppolo, there's plenty of quarterbacks and offenses out there that produce that in a single game. But it's just not the way the 49ers want to play. It's just not their identity. Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball. You know, you look at when they made their push to the Super Bowl in 19, uh, what they did to the Vikings in the playoffs, what they did to the Packers in the playoffs. They just ran the ball um, and took what they were given in the past game. So that's just what the 49ers offensive identity is. And the more they can do that, uh, uh, the better. And like I was saying, I, I got a little note on here just talking about Debo Samuel, and it's just it's just been so impressive to watch him evolve this season because, you know, he was – everything Debo Samuel is doing, minus the kind of the uniqueness of his – the way he's utilized in the run game, everything he's doing is what I thought Brandon Ayuk was going to be doing. And we'll talk more about Brandon Ayuk here in a second, but – the the transformation of Debo Samuel to just this, just this. I mean, it, it, it's a corny term because John U- John Lynch already used it about Kyle Yushchek, but this offensive weapon that the 49ers will will use him however they see fit. It, it just it, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch. And it, again, the the biggest point here is that if there's if there's a player on the offense that's like the core of everything, the combustion engine of the whole thing. I think that's become Debo Samuel now, which is just not something we're used to even thinking about. And that's just the way it is now. So I'm just going to be interested to see how this plays out for the rest of the season, because you've got a guy that they're, they're getting, you know, Debo Samuel got eight. He got Debo Samuel got one catch and eight carries. I mean, total, he almost had a hundred scrimmage yards, but only 15 of them were through the air. And it's just a weird, awesome, unique, you know, sort of evolution for a player that I think a lot of fans, a lot of analysts, a lot of people that cover the team had kind of written off as like somebody who just wasn't quite able to get it together enough to be a really like a dominant pro. And now here he is being a truly dominant pro that depending on who's having the conversation could merit some MVP consideration, you know, in terms of what that, that player means to this team. I mean, Debo Samuel is, is like I said, he's, he's the engine 
of this of this machine right now, and it's it's just been crazy to watch. And then, like I just mentioned earlier, um, Brandon Ayuk is he back? I think he's back. I think he's in the clear. I think he's back to doing the damn thing. It looks like he's won the trust of the offense. He looks like he's won the trust of Jimmy Garoppolo. It looks like he's won back the trust of Kyle Shanahan uh, because, you know, as as of late, you know, he started the season so quiet. But over the last three games, Brandon Ayuk had, I mean, against the against Chicago, he had four catches for 45 yards. Against the the Cardinals, he had six catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. Um, against the Rams, he only had three catches, but he had 26 yards. And again, they ran the ball 44 times, so that was a little different. And then today, he was the 49ers man through the air. He was targeted seven times. He caught seven passes for 85 yards and a score, which was uh, he was impressive, and he was getting open, and it looked good. I know uh, Crocker tweeted somewhere toward, I think it was during the first drive where he thought Eric Crocker, well, I thought Eric Crocker, where he thought Ayuk had gotten way open and Jimmy didn't go his way. Um, but Crocker also said that he couldn't see the safety, so he didn't know for sure how open he really was. Um, but Brandon Ayuk, man, he's he's coming back, and and the fact that the 49ers could have a a fully healthy and primed Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel and George Kittle, who also had four catches for 34 yards and a, and a fourth down score. Um, the idea that all three of those could be firing on all cylinders, along with, let's say, Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson, or, you know, I'll even throw Trey Sermon's n- name in there. We'll see what, what he evolves into. You know, that's a good thing for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of getting into his groove. He's finding his comfort zone. Um, and then those playmakers are starting to evolve. And really kind of that brings me to what this offense is clearly about. And it's, it's no slight to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we all kind of know what he is at this point, but it's really all about getting the ball out of the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo as quickly as you can into the hands of those playmakers, whether it's through a handoff or through a pass that's relatively quick. Um, This offense is all about timing. It's all about feel and they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo holding onto the ball, looking down the field too too much. They want it out, and they want it into the hands of of those Ayukes, those Kittles, those Samuels, those Sermons, you know, Wilsons, Elijah Mitchell, and even Juszczyk, who's who's proven to be pretty valuable this season. That just really seems like it to me. You know, get the ball out of your hands as quickly as you can to one of our playmakers. Go. And um, it's been cool to watch. It's working. It's working. But their biggest test is coming up next week. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, I would probably say the biggest, the biggest, um, success for the offense as I kind of, uh, you know what? No, before we get away from the offense, like I said, Trey Sermon got some burn. He actually got 10 carries, 32 yards, uh, which is about 10 more carries than he's been getting. So, uh, he looked decent. He looked fine. Uh, none of the running backs were able to churn up big ground. Uh, that was, like I said, the Jaguars are very respectable against the run, playing kind of an old-school defense. But it was cool to see Trey Sermon uh, finally get some burn. And then the one thing we've got to end on is the although the attempted touchdown to one left tackle, Trent Williams. <laughs> the 49ers tried to leak Trent Williams out into the flat. Um, I think it was on third down. 
Um, and and Trent, Trent Williams talked to the media after practice and said he was wide open during practice, but he felt like he didn't hold his block long enough and kind of give it a fake um, to really help the defense bite on it. And he was actually when the when Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball up to him. I mean, it was like a two or three yard pass. Uh, Trent Williams was double covered. It was the most random play. Trent Williams went up, tried to catch it, came down. Um, and Kyle Shanahan said after the game, I know it was. I know KP mentioned the fact that. He thought Trent Williams came off the field because, like, you know, he had his one pass play and he needed to get subbed out like a diva receiver or something. But I think Kyle Shanahan said after the game that a um, an offensive lineman reporting is eligible has to come off the field on the next play, which is a really random rule. But I, apparently that was the deal. But the 49ers tried to get Trent Williams involved in the pass game. And I'm hoping they try to do something like that again. And if they don't, I think it was George Kittle who mentioned it. If if you're not going to pass it to him, when you get to you know the one yard line and it's time to punch it in, put Trent Williams in there. Let him take the handoff. <laughs> well, I mean, like, damn. Um, good luck stopping that. But it was it was awesome just to see it happen. It was hilarious just watching Trent Williams jump up, try and put one hand on the ball, and then fall on the ground. I mean, that is a massive human being. And even Kyle Shanahan mentioned in the press conference that. Williamson made a pretty ridiculous one-handed catch during practice. So they were, they were not like they didn't, they thought there was a good chance it was going to work. And that's why they did it. But it was just funny. If you haven't seen that, make sure you get on Twitter, get on YouTube, find that clip of Trent Williams attempting to catch, (laughs) catch a touchdown pass from Jimmy Garoppolo, who for the most part, you know, saw that he was covered. And Jimmy Garoppolo said after the game that like, Hey, I didn't care if he was double, triple covered, wide open. I'm throwing him the ball. And he did. He gave him a shot. Uh, it was a little high, but when he was double covered, that's how Jimmy Garoppolo had to throw it. So, all right. Well, let's get to um, let's get to the defense. But before we do, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors over at Tick Pick. I'm going to say it this way: Winning 49ers football is finally back. We've got two wins in a row after a pretty rough sketch there, four losses. Winning 49ers football is finally back. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to go to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, and you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's your money back on the difference and a little extra. The 49ers have a huge game coming up with playoff implications against the Minnesota Vikings at Levi Stadium next week. Be a part of that. Get on TickPick.com slash gold today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Like I said, big, 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 big game coming up at Levi Stadium against the Vikings, who actually just pulled one out against the Packers. They're not messing around. They're coming to Levi Stadium next week. TickPick.com slash gold. Get yourself some tickets to that game. Let's go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so yeah, we'll mention, we'll actually mention that that Vikings game or, or the Vikings uh, in a little bit when we talk really briefly about how the the playoff implications and the playoff seating is unfolding. And now we are, uh, we're moving on to the defense, uh, which like I said, when you're looking at a game that was essentially 30 to three, you know, they did their damn job. Uh, it was a really, really impressive showing for the, uh, the 49ers defense really kind of seems like they're starting to find their groove. Now, again, you're stopping the Jaguars, but a good football team, a good football team should beat up on a bad football team. And the 49ers defense did that too. Nick Bosa got not one, but two sacks today. He has now hit the 10 sack mark on the season, which I believe eclipse eclipses his season. Um, that earned him defensive uh, rookie of the year honors. So Nick Bosa, not, I mean, I, I want to say he's got to be in the conversation for comeback player of the year, right? Coming off a, a torn ACL, looking like a better version uh, than his rookie self. That's, that's got to get you, get you in the conversation. I'm trying to think of, you'll have to, you guys will have to, to, you know, whether through Twitter or whatever, help me figure out who else is in the running for that type of honor. Um, but Nick Bosa has to be in the conversation for comeback player of the year. Um, he's just been been playing out of his mind. And there's, what, still seven games left this season, and Nick Bosa already has 10 sacks? I mean, we'll see what happens and, and what goes down, but he could really have himself a season. And that's encouraging, man. Nick Bosa is is just – he's one of – he is now a, a cornerstone player that you cannot afford to lose. You cannot afford to let go. You have to pay. There's just no way around it. Nick Bosa is that player. He was always expected to be that player. That's why the 49ers were so jacked that the Cardinals took Kyler Murray. Now, obviously, Kyler Murray's turned into a great player, and they've turned the Cardinals into a real contender. But that still doesn't change the fact that everybody and their mom was totally jacked. The 49ers were able to get Nick Bosa. And he has been as good or better than advertised. Um, Really, really impressive season from him so far. And he told a funny story about during that first drive where the 49ers ate up the entire first quarter, he said that they were, the defense was just getting kind of like irritated. Like, when are we going to get to get in this game? And he said, when the coaches turned around and was like, Hey man, this is how you win games. You know, this is this, this type of a drive is how you win games. And they were all like, okay, you're right. And that was the end of that conversation. Nick Bosa also talked a lot about the fact that he's, improving as a strategist. You could tell that when he was said, when he was talking about improving, he wasn't only talking about his techniques and and how he wins on a one-on-one situation, but he was talking about like setting things up. You know, he said he's improved a lot 
Um, he's learned how to, how to really get sacks and, and really get numbers um, by formulating a plan, playing mind games, setting people up for certain situations, knowing that a certain play or situation is coming and setting himself up for, for that to be able to make an impact. And it sounds like Nick Bosa's transformation has really been on the mental side of things. And uh, I mean, obviously physically you look at him and you know, he hasn't skipped a beat. The dude looks like a, an out of proportion GI Joe action figure. He's got like a 32 inch waist, but his shoulders are like as wide as a truck. And so are his quads. So one of the weirdest looking people I've ever seen, but massive. I mean, if you go, I don't know if it's floating around, but you can Google a picture or a short little video of him and his brother, Joey Bosa walking on the beach. And both of them, both of them have very similar body types and both of them have to like swing their legs out to the side so they don't run into each other and get like mad chafing. So Nick Bosa is an absolute freak. And, and like I said, he is, uh, he's up there now. I mean, his official stat line for the game was three total tackles, two sacks, um, for a total of six yards, three quarterback hits, and the obviously two tackles for loss that come with the sacks. So Pretty impressive effort from Nick Bosa. Uh, Josh Norman had a good game. He didn't end up, I mean, he ended up with one combined tackle, but his his highlight play was, and he didn't give up much in the pass game. None of the defense did, but um, Josh Norman, while Fred Warner was getting a tackle, Josh Norman comes up, and I need to look up how many forced fumbles he has this season. I want to say it's like five, four or five. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But Josh Norman has a lot of forced fumbles this year. And obviously he has an interception. And he comes up and he just peanut till and punched that thing out and then just laid on it. Like he punched it out and he recovered it. It was an impressive play. Uh, you know, he just walked up. Fred Warner was already making the tackle. So Josh Norman kind of just walks up and boom, punched that thing out and got on it. And um, he spoke to the media after the game. And you could just tell, man, he's just having a fun time. You know, he's had he's taken some rough licks. He's been on the uh, receiving end of plenty of pass interference calls, but he's also been a positive influence. And for somebody who, I mean, maybe even me myself might have agreed with it, but for somebody who everybody was calling for the axe after that, um, that horrible unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against the Cardinals talking shit to uh, Cliff Kingsbury on the sideline. A lot of people were like, get that guy out of here. You know, I think it was on third down. It was a horrible penalty, and that'll never go away. But Josh Norman's also done a lot of good for this team. And for a guy that's kind of, I wouldn't call it a career resurgence, but he was very good in the past, very, very good, and then, you know, kind of fell off. And, and he's been decent. He's been what the 49ers need, um, considering the 49ers kind of drastically, I, can't, I mean, that sounds a little extreme. I was going to say mismanage the corner position a little bit this, this offseason, you know, kind of putting – too much on, on Jason Brett, who obviously we're a huge fan of and, and we love and we wanted him to, to be the guy that he was last season, but his whole career has been stacked with injuries and that kind of uh, bit the 49ers in the ass. But Josh Norman has been a, a big reason as to why, uh, as to why that hasn't completely imploded on him. So you got to have a little bit of respect for it. Hasn't been great, but it hasn't been horrible. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley opposite him also had a good game. Pretty solid, had a pretty impressive press breakup covering Marvin Jones as they were trying to move down uh, and score some touchdowns. So I, I liked what Emmanuel Mosley was doing too. Both the corners just did okay. And of course, that has a lot to do with what the linebackers in the front, or I'll just say the front seven are doing and the pressure they're able to create and the disruption they're able to create. And that just takes a lot of, pro, uh, you know, a lot of pressure 
off the secondary. Um, Fred Warner, same thing. He was just like, man, everybody's just flying around out there. And it really does seem like the team has, has found their groove. And it, and I won't get too amped up about any of this because it's, it's a Rams team that the 49ers have shown a habit of beating. And then it's a Jaguars team who were two and seven going into this game and are now two and eight. So you can't really prop things up too bad. Um, but kind of transitioning into, uh, into, what really kind of the overall scheme, what really matters within all of this. And that is kind of the playoff seating and how everything is shaking out. And again, it may seem weird to talk about playoff seating for a five and five 49ers team, but they are very, very, very much in the hunt. And let's just break down the NFC right now. The Cardinals are at the top um, at nine and two, first in the NFC West, first in the NFC. Okay. And that's kind of what I meant when I said the Cardinals are kind of out of reach. The 49ers aren't really in a race with them. Uh, right behind them are the Packers that are now 8-3 and three and just lost today in a shootout with the Minnesota Vikings. Which, you know, what the Minnesota Vikings did in that game is, uh, you know, it, it has a lot, lot of sway with the 49ers because the 49ers are playing next week and the Minnesota Vikings – they uh, they gave the 49ers, or excuse me, they gave the Packers a run for their money. Let me actually go into this game so I can give you just a brief overview of how it all went down. Here it is. The, uh, the Vikings won with a last-second field goal, and they beat the Packers 34-31. to Now, the 49ers also almost beat the Packers, and that game came down to a last-second field goal. The Vikings also moved to five and five. And we'll talk so much more about the Vikings and, and what they're bringing to the table later this week. Cause that's, I mean, that's our preview. Uh, the 49ers are playing the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Kirk cousins was really solid. I mean, he w- earlier when I mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers over the last two games and how I said that, you know, quarterbacks do that in one game. That's essentially what Kirk cousins did. He was 24 of 35. That's almost 70%. Um, he threw for 341 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. So, it's pretty impressive. Justin Jefferson went off for uh, 169 yards and two touchdowns. So the Vikings aren't messing around. The Vikings aren't messing around coming to town right now, uh, coming to town next week. And they are a huge kind of turning point for the playoffs. So in third place, you know, these are all the leaders of the division. You've got the Cardinals, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Buccaneers. Uh, and then you have the Rams, who the 49ers just beat, and they still have a little bit. They're they're on their bye week. They still have a little bit of of space between the 49ers. Um, if the 49ers, the Rams right now are seven and three. The 49ers are five and five. If the 49ers can pull, um, can get tied up with the Rams, which don't see that happening, but we'll see. It depends on where the Rams go from here, because they're in a little bit of a spiral. Um, the 49ers, at least until that last game of the season when they play the Rams again, the 49ers will own the tiebreaker. And the Rams currently on the fifth seed at the sixth seed right behind the Rams is the Vikings who were tied with the 49ers before, uh, before this week. So they jumped up two spots. They're now officially in the playoffs. If it were, you know, obviously with, we still have a long ways to go, um, but they're five and five tied with the 49ers, but they own the sixth seed and dropping one spot to the seventh seed is the saints. And the saints just got their ass kicked by the Eagles. So the Saints are somebody that I, I don't think will be in the playoffs unless things really come around. They've got a backup quarterback. I mean, whatever their quarterback situation is over there, I think it's Trevor Simeon right now. And 
Then you've got whatever his name is, the annoying ass quarterback that Taysom Hill that always comes in and poaches a a touchdown or two from Alvin Kamara during the season. And I only complain about that because I've, I've had Alvin Kamara as a keeper for like the last six years. Um, so you have the saints. I don't really expect them to be in the, in the picture. Like I said, they're just barely holding on with a backup quarterback. The 49ers are right behind them with the eight seeds. So officially right now, the 49ers are out of the playoffs. Um, and then right behind the 49ers in the ninth seed are the Eagles and they're five and six right behind the 49ers who, like we said, have moved up to five and five. Um, but the Eagles have a, they've, the, the remaining schedule for the Eagles are against or at the three and six giants at the two and eight jets, um, at home against four and six Washington football team at home against the three and six giants, um, uh, away game against the four and six Washington football team. And then a final game against the Cowboys. So the Eagles are definitely somebody that the 49ers have to worry about when it comes to their playoff seating. Um, but again, way down there, you have the Seahawks who lost today. They're now three and seven. They're all the way down into 15th seed, but they're only two games behind the 49ers. So you can't really cross them out yet. The 49ers are still going to need to beat them when they travel to Seattle later on in the season. Um, so, I mean, the 49ers are in must win mode. And I know we've kind of broken this down already, but let me pull up the uh, the 49ers schedule real quick just to show you what they have because I really want to help you guys kind of build up a picture of what you think can happen in your mind for the 49ers. Because if this team can keep it together, they have a lot of winnable games. We, we already knew the Jaguars were a winnable game. They got that done. Uh, the Vikings at home, Levi's next weekend, that's a very winnable game. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. The Vikings don't look like a joke. Okay, they look like a pretty good team. For 5-5, five and five, they are a really good 5-5 five and five team. So the 49ers are going to have their hands full with the Vikings. And you've got, you're at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are not playing good. But again, you know how those division games are. You, you never just assume you're going to run over the other team, no matter how bad they are within the division, because everybody's just so well acquainted with each other. Then you've got an away game against the Bengals. You got the Falcons at home, winnable. Bengals, winnable. Um, at Titans, that's probably the hardest on paper, the hardest game um, remaining on the season. But the Titans just lost to the Houston Texans. So who knows what's going on? Uh, then you have the Houston Texans. And then you have uh, to, to round out the regular season and away game against the Rams. So a lot of winnable games for the 49ers. But you can also see the possibility for kind of botching some stuff. So, and the 49ers are not in any position. They're not like, you know, they're not like eight and, you know, what are they? They've played 10 games. So they're not like seven and three. They're not eight and two feeling great out in front or, you know, feeling like they got plenty of room. They're not a team that's overlooking anybody at this point. That entire team knows that they have to go on a run. And that's really what you got from the 49ers leading up to this game against the Jaguars was this is like, we're not overlooking anybody. We have no choice but to win football games. And they started that off well with a, uh, with a pretty solid convincing win against the Jaguars. And I kind of, I tweeted a, a, a funny like little meme that Idris Elba meme about, you know, tell everybody that we're back. You know, I was talking about the 49ers, but they're not, they're not, they're, they're not yet. You know, they still have some work to do to establish themselves as a team 
that is expected to win football games. And if they can come into Levi Stadium, keep that, you know, they won against the Rams at Levi Stadium. They hadn't, before the Rams, they hadn't won a game at Levi Stadium since like last October. So if they can come back to Levi Stadium and get another solid win against a solid team like they did against the Rams, uh, then you're really cooking and you've got some serious momentum. You're officially in the playoff hunt. A win against the Vikings would push them into the playoffs. They would, I would think they would move into the, uh, they would probably switch with the Vikings at the sixth seed. Uh, the Rams, like I said, we have, they have a buy, so they're not moving at all. So I think they would actually switch with the Vikings up into the sixth seed. They'd be in the playoffs and, you know, however horrible this season started, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And that, that could be the, 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 the mantra for the 49ers uh, in 2021 slash 2022 is it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And right now the 49ers just have a small little ball of momentum, maybe a, maybe a baseball size that they're willing to roll down the hill and let it grow um, if they play good football. And that that means to start with the Vikings next week. Um, and that'll be, a, that'll be a good game. That'll be a good game, I expect. Um, you know, the Vikings will be looking to uh, to get a little payback from uh, from a little playoff embarrassment a couple years ago. So we'll see. We'll see. But, hey, that's it. That's my reaction to the game. Overall, I mean, if, if you want me to sum it up, uh, it was an impressive win for the 49ers that needed to be impressive. We needed to see the 49ers stomp a bad team, and they did. And they did. So, they're, you know, they they haven't proven themselves for real or a fake just yet. You know, we needed to see them beat a bad football team convincingly, and they did. So I was impressed. I thought it was a great game. And uh, hopefully they keep it going. But, hey, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to the Strike and Gold podcast. Thank you for all your support over the years. Uh, make sure you're out there rating the podcast, subscribing, downloading. Um, you know, if you're on something that allows you to comment or leave a review, please do. I appreciate it. Um, but, hey, you already know what it is. Get on TickPick.com slash gold. Get some tickets to that Vikings game and get out there and, and scream your heads off because it's going to matter. It's definitely going to matter if they need that home field advantage. Um, but, hey, for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out.